This is the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Waylee Gray. Hey, you know how many physicians today are feeling overwhelmed and trapped living that busy and unfulfilling life? Yet more than ever, we as physicians are keenly aware that life is precious and tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. My mission is to help physicians start living their best life now by discovering and achieving their wildest travel dreams. So come, join us on this journey. Welcome back to another episode of the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. So last week, we had part one of the interview with Dr. Tanya Palm-Wanson, where we talked about her journey as an infectious disease physician and how she ended up doing consulting work abroad in Thailand, where she resides with her husband and kids. And this week, we are continuing that conversation. We're learning more about Thailand, learning what it's like to travel there. I'm so excited to share this part with you. Let's dive in. The other question I always want to know when I go to a new place is tipping. What's the tipping culture in Thailand? So there's not a robust tipping culture in Thailand. I think people are grateful if you give them tips. Before there wasn't any tips included at like larger restaurants, for example, in the U.S., like there wouldn't be a tip. But now more and more places are including service charge, which is like 10% of your bill if you're at a restaurant. and that can variably go to the people that are serving you. So sometimes we would just the change if it's not a lot of change, especially if it's like less than a dollar, people are grateful for that. But I don't think it's expected to have any um, larger tip than that. Oh, one thing about Thailand that I do want to plug if people are into this kind of thing is I don't know if you know about Thai traditional massage or if you like massage, but there are massages There are some very famous and also like world-class spas here where they like make their own products from traditional fruit and other things, herbs and stuff in Asia. And so, yeah, if you like spas, massage at all, definitely plug that. And there's also a spectrum you can get foot massage or regular massage at just run-of-the-mill like everyday place. Maybe it would cost $20 or even from that $10 to $20 for like an hour. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, like super fancy places, which do not cost <laughs> kind of $20 an hour. But the bare bones kind of traditional time massage place where you can get a foot massage. Yeah, it would probably be 10 or 15 bucks for one hour, but it's not fancy at all. I think you have a chair and then they would give you like a foot massage and there might be other people that are like sitting next to you. But so is time massage part of the culture? Yeah, so it's like reflexology. And yeah, it's part of traditional medicine. So yeah, it's common and available all all throughout the country. I feel like you can find massage places. Yeah, then on the beach, they also have people walking around, I think, asking if you want to give a massage. They have like huts sometimes. And they're like, this is for massage. So I'm usually a little creeped out by people that just approach me out of the blue. And that's probably cultural. Yeah. But I mean, do you take these offers? And what do you think? Sometimes, I mean, you can see, you know, they have or whatever. But if I'm on vacation, the beach or like in the south, sometimes I will just splurge and go to the spa and do body scrub, for example, and then oil massage or all different kinds of massage. 
So yeah, not always on the beach. And usually, yeah, my kids are like, come do this or that. So no, people totally do massage on the beach. I think maybe if I didn't have kids, (laughs) that could be relaxing. That's so cool. I mean, we have massages in the US, but it sounds like this is more embedded in the culture in Thailand. Yeah, no, I think definitely it is just more embedded and yeah, just like the food or whatever. There's such a wide range of price points and yeah, availability um, of massage. So I would highly recommend it. Okay, that th- yeah, definitely. So if I ever go to Thailand, I'm totally getting uh, several. Many, you can get like a massage, times. yeah, every day. Some people like seriously do it every day. They're like, that's the only thing that I'm going to do every day is like get a foot massage or back massage. Or um, and then you mentioned the food, and I want to ask more about that. And that's so that's one of the things I really am looking forward to when I'm traveling to Asia is the food. I'm drooling as I'm thinking about the food. And I love that you can get food from anywhere that's like a dollar to hundred plus or whatever. And there's just something so satisfying about street food. So tell us more about for the average American stomach or probably don't have the same immune system as the locals. Is it street food safe? What should we watch out for? And what's your favorite street food? Yeah, so I think street food overall is quite safe in Thailand. So we always are like, we have rarely ever gotten sick from street food, but I think you can see it in front of you. But not for a long time, though, you know, gotten sick from a restaurant before. And so yeah, street food is very common. In Thailand, I think uh, you are worried more about your stomach or not being able to handle street food. There are a lot of other options. Um, you can get like street food, especially in Bangkok. So a lot of the malls here, because it's like so hot, people want to go to the mall, have really extensive food courts and they sell, you know, food. Maybe it's like slightly more expensive, like a dollar more expensive than on the street, but they would have all the traditional things that you would eat in street food stalls. So that's what I would recommend if people are like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to eat this on the street, then you can just go to a mall in Bangkok, for example, Terminal 21, Central World, there are tons of them. And they they have like crazy amounts of food at their food courts that you can just buy a card and put like 20 or 30 bucks on them and just get like so many different kinds of food. Wow. And so yeah, what what's your favorite? Like, what do you recommend when, when your friends come visit? So obviously everyone likes pot thai. So I think there is like really um, good pot thai here. Is it, different? is it different than the pad thai that's in the Thai restaurants in the US? Um, I think it's a little bit different because there are maybe fresher ingredients here. So, you know, it's supposed to be like a mixture of all these flavors. Like traditional Thai food is supposed to feature sweet, salty, spicy, savory, all the flavors that kind of melt together. And so I think it does taste different here. And then especially if it's seafood, there is some very fresh food like river shrimp or even like other kinds of shrimp here that um, get, yeah, definitely a little bit different. So I think that is super good. Uh, My husband really likes this like Hainanese style, like chicken rice. So it's like the rice is boiled with chicken broth instead of just water so it's in oil so it's like really flavorful and then you can have like fried or boiled chicken is uh, really popular my kids also love that but yeah there are just like so many noodle dishes and then I would put in a plug for trying all the tropical fruit that's available here so I think there's so many different kinds of fruit that are available here that 
you would not see in the U.S. So like mango steam, for example, or even the mangoes are really different here and the bananas. So there are actually more than 100 species of banana. And so I think that, yeah, the bananas are really fresh and just, yeah, taste differently here. Uh, And then also... I really like, but I know if people have a love-hate relationship with it, it's durian. That's what I was going to ask you. I have yet to try that. That's on my list. I want to try it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's like an acquired taste, but people either love it or hate it. And I think many people hate it, including <laughs> my husband, other people in my family. It has a really strong smell. That's not exactly what it tastes like. I don't know. It's really hard to explain. And I've never yeah, had anything like it but i i really enjoy it so if i want to eat it uh, been from hotel rooms and from inside many places because of the smell and the smell just like is around yeah it just has this really unique odor that permeates stuff and it doesn't go away so most indoor air conditioned places are like you cannot bring it in here like, <laughs> there's a sign outside. there's like a no yeah. durian sign there's there's like a durian have you ever seen a durian it's like this spiky yeah green thing yeah and then there's like a sign that's like x no it's like no oh, smoking so no funny. durian no smoking no like, oh i love it do not bring it in here like ever yeah, yeah but i really like it awesome i will i will definitely try it so so the other question about the food is I'm, I'm totally drooling and wanting to go to Thailand now. The, so the spice level, like I'm personally love spicy, but I also have family members that are like, I can't handle spicy. So what what's like this normal food of your, is it like, is everything really spicy? So yeah, I think Thai food is traditionally on the spicier side, but you can definitely just tell people when you're ordering. I think they know like for winners you just be like, I don't want any I don't want it to be spicy at all. And then sometimes I'm going to have it like a little less spicy. And then they're like, okay. And then you can always add more because they do give you restaurants here. Uh, it's for different things that you can share food. So there would be like soy sauce. There's like vinegar with cut up like chili in it. And then there's like chili powder. And then sometimes there's like even more other kinds of chili. So like if you want to add spice, I think you always can. I would recommend if you're yeah going to Thai place to be like not spicy or like a little less spicy for spice level. Nice, nice. Wow, that sounds like so much fun. And you mentioned like nature, like going to the beach. Is there anything else like aside from going to the beach? What other sort of nature activities are there? Yeah, so there are a lot of different kinds of nature activities. So in the north, actually, there are mountains. And so if you ever go to Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai, there are a lot of different mountains up there, which are really cool and then sometimes yeah you can go really high and then be in like fog it's really pretty and there are different hikes waterfalls etc up there so if you like coffee thailand has really transitioned and makes some amazing coffee actually and so last time i was in the north i went on with my husband who doesn't drink coffee but he found this he's let's go on coffee trail because you're like really into coffee so yeah, they would have just like local roasteries with some ethnic minorities there. And we were in the mountains. View and stuff was just really amazing. And then I had the most amazing fresh locally roasted coffee. So that was awesome. If you like coffee, I would go to Chiang Rai in that region. So that's really cool. And then there are also really cool nature talking about before, not just birds, but also elephant sanctuaries here where you can like help take care of elephants and I just wanted to put in a plug I didn't realize this many moons ago but elephants are like not for riding 
And so actually they still do offer elephant rides because it's like a way to make money. But so there was a story circulating here in the rescue that like one elephant, like her back collapsed after. Oh no. Yeah. She was like elephant rides for so long. And I mean, she's in like a rescue, elephant rescue sanctuary now, but it's really sad. Like her spine just like completely. Um, so they were like trying to um, stir, but um, I really tried to let tourists know here that, you know, there are ways to interact with elephants and if at all possible to try not to support elephant riding because it hurts elephants. So explain, explain the elephant sanctuary. So my understanding is, at least this is maybe in other parts of Southern Asia, is elephants and people coexist. And let's say there's farmland, the elephant might be encroaching on farmland, and now it's against the interests of the farmers. So is that where the interaction with the elephants or how do they end up in the elephant sanctuary? Yeah, so there are not so many wild elephants in Thailand anymore. There are some national parks that do have some wild elephants, but a lot of these elephants were part of elephant tourist operations in the past, or maybe people had an elephant that they were uh, using traditionally pull logs or, you know, labor. It's really expensive, actually, to take care of elephants. Like, obviously, they need to eat a lot and stuff. And so some people are like, I can't afford to take care of this elephant anymore especially during covid people people who are doing like tourism and stuff they were like there's the borders are closed we can't even feed this elephant anymore and so they would go to these elephant sanctuaries or sometimes also be brought there if they're in the wild and then yeah somebody their mom you know baby if their mom was injured or something that they were like okay well we need to bring this elephant to the sanctuary so elephant sanctuaries usually you can help take care take care of the elephant and other ways so like did one with our kids you can feed them you can help bathe them with mud they like mud baths yeah just walk with them do different things are they interactive like yeah wow they're super interactive they'll come eat from your hand or yeah they're nice that's amazing so did, did your boys love interacting with them kind of they were like it smells it's hot whatever no they did they, they do like it. Yeah. So there are, are all different, different sanctuaries here. And then also some of the national parks are really cool. Like you can see all sorts of different wildlife and insects. What other wildlife? So the one thing that I was kind of warned about are monkeys and how they can bite you and they can, you know, just don't get too close to the monkeys. Yeah. I think monkeys here, depending on where you are, yeah, they can be aggressive, like they want food and stuff. But I, I think if you're not actively trying to grab them or do something to them, usually they're, they would more want to like, take your food. Yeah, I think it's like watch your stuff. If they, so I think the instance I was watching was the monkey happened to grab the wallet and the phone, you know, like a bag. Uh, oh no, yeah. <laughs> and then and they were like, bring it back. It was very hard to get it back without, or I think it ended up in a monkey bite. <laughs> oh no, monkey bites are dangerous, definitely. We we have been to these different places where there are monkeys, but I think they're mostly trying to get food. So, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned about, I mean, it never even occurred to me, but you mentioned like the low-cost airlines can sometimes go to neighboring countries. Have you taken a, a, a short trip to a, a neighboring country and, and where did you go? Yeah, so especially pre-COVID, we used to travel a lot. So long weekends here, very easy to get to, for example, Singapore, Laos, Vietnam, 
Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia are very close. Also Malaysia. So we've actually been to all those countries. We haven't been to Cambodia in a while, but those are all very close, like one or two hour flight from Bangkok. Um, A lot of people will combine. I mean, if you're, depending on how much time you have, if you are in this area already, you know, we'll go to like, for what, like Siem Reap is like an hour flight from Bangkok, for example. Um, So we totally have been to many of the neighboring countries and want to do more. Oh yeah, Bali, we have been to, Indonesia is also not far from here. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds great. Uh, I see why (laughs) for eight years and there's, there's still many, many more things to explore. For sure. Yes. One other question about traveling in Thailand is you guys use Google Maps. Like how do you sort of navigate? Is there like a go-to app for navigating around? Yeah, we use Google Maps. So you can put it on the English version. And yeah, we, we definitely use that to look at traffic around the city. But um, yeah, Google Maps is mostly fine. I mean, obviously, sometimes they're like, go this way. And you're like, no, like more traffic. Do you use it for public transportation? Because they'll be like, take this train and take that bus. Like, is that pretty accurate? I haven't used it in depth. Like in Bangkok, there are apps like specific to the subway, I think, and others. But I I think Google Maps would be pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. For the public transportation available. So you could use it to be like, yeah, go this many stops. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all this insider knowledge. I love it. And then so so this episode was super helpful in anyone who maybe is interested in going and relocating and working as a consultant or in some kind of clinical or related clinical role in another country. And then also sort of everything that we would want to ask an insider about traveling to Thailand, which is so awesome. Yay. And so but I always love to ask our guests as we're ending to the, the physicians who are listening. Now travel is opening up and now people are thinking, what's this next phase of my life? Do I do I want to think about traveling? What's necessarily to Thailand, but just in general, like as, as a, a doctor who's also a travel lover like yourself, what advice do you have for physicians who are maybe thinking about traveling? So I think one, if you want to travel, then making it a priority the first really important step. And so I think before it was more, not necessarily an afterthought, but I would be like, oh no, we have a long weekend or this thing is coming up and oh, we didn't plan anything or, you know, like now let's like rush and try to like figure out something to do. So I think if you are getting back into the swing of things and you do want to travel, I think advanced planning is definitely the way to go in order to just see the places that you want to see and make sure that you're getting in your daily dose or annual dose of travel. One thing I also really like is putting aside a budget specifically for travel, because sometimes I think, you know, people on vacation, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't think it was this much. or I didn't mean to spend X, Y, Z. So for our family, it's really nice to have actually a bucket and we're like, we want to travel or spend this much on travel or spend this much, you know, on Making memories or vacation together, uh, just seeing how all the different trips we plan during the year can fit in to that and maybe, you know, like readjust it if necessary. But it's kind of actually to say, I want to spend 
this much on, on travel. That's awesome. And so when you have that bucket, do you travel more? Do you, are you just more, more budget conscious of like, I'm not going to book the super expensive hotel. What has that, the effect had, you know, of the bucket for you guys? Yeah, I think it just helps us see where we are exactly like staying on track and, and actually having an idea of how much for each trip and then actually having like a postmortem or something after the trip. If it's possible to like really go over and be like, okay, well, trip, you know, how much we had to spend on flights and hotel and things like that. And then just see where we are during the course of the year. So it's actually, I, I think it's helped me travel more. And then also just help me readjust expectations. You know, you're in the time transition or yeah, you have a family or you have kids. Like actually it's different than when you were just like traveling alone or uh, with one other person. And now we often travel with my parents as well since they are spending more time here. So I think, yeah, just like figuring that all out is really good. And then I don't know if I would call it a bucket list, but it's nice actually to have a list of places that you might want to go and then seeing how to fit it in, if not this year, another year in advance. And we like to try to plan actually annually. So I think that that's also helpful rather than just like short term. I don't know if you also, I know you have a million trips planned. So I'm like, you seem to be a master planner. I, so yeah, I sort of have a similar thing. So it's mostly just in my head, but I, I feel like I get excited about places. If someone like talking about Thailand and I didn't really know that much about Thailand. And so as I'm picturing it, like I'm seeing like, does that drive like where I want to go next? And then, so I have, well, then I have this internal list of, I really want to go here. And then I figure out like, well, when is the best time to go? Is it, you know, winter, summer, spring, when is the, and then my kids, even though they're homeschool, like they have exam schedules and you know, that they're, they're on like an online school. So there's, even though it's, more flexible. We can't just miss three weeks of school. Like, yeah, the, you know, <laughs> totally. So I try to go around that schedule and yeah, but it's all about sort of like feeling it for me. Like if I get really excited, if someone's telling me about it or I'm reading about it or like I get, I watch a lot of YouTube travel vlogs for inspiration. And if I'm like, this is so like, this feels right. Like this is where I want to go. I just get really excited. And then it's actually really easy to plan. Cause I'm like, I just want to get this sealed away. I just want this taken care of because like you said, tickets and for some places, depending on where we want to go, there may only be so many spots for the time that you can go. So might as well just, you know, make it happen. Now, if you can't make it and that's a different story, but it's like always good to just plan. So I am planning currently. So it's May right now that we're recording and I'm planning out, like I already have my January, 2024 trip plan. I think I have four trips um, now until then. And then, so I'm planning in spring 2024 and summer 2024. <laughs> yeah, this is the time to do it for sure. Especially if you're flying different places, that's like and trying to use award seats or even not using award seats, like getting the best deals is exactly. in advance. Exactly. Yeah. That's actually how it all started was when we, I actually, we, we, we mostly traveled domestically, especially after having kids. I didn't have a passport. Like my kids didn't have a passport. And then I looked at the domestic prices because everyone started traveling and I'm like, it costs 800 bucks to fly to Las Vegas or Arizona. Cause we were like, we really like the Southwest. I'm like, for that price, I might as well just fly international <laughs> and go somewhere. Yeah. To else. go to Europe, I'm sure somewhere. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been so awesome. Dr. Tanya, thank you so much for sharing all those tips and sharing your life story. It's so inspirational. 
Tell us a little bit more about how people can find you and what sort of resources you have for for docs. You you also have a a cool other passion project aside from your your consulting that you do for infectious disease. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I'm also a career and life coach and mostly have been coaching physicians actually, but I also coach some other mid-career professionals about Exactly what we've been talking about, creating the life or even career of your dreams. And so you can find me at Catalyzing Clarity. So I'm on YouTube. I have a channel there where I just kind of share stories from everyday life and talk about some coaching tools that or tips that you can use in your life. And then also on Instagram at Catalyzing Clarity as well. So would love to connect with anybody on those two platforms or even LinkedIn if you're interested in connecting. That's awesome. And wow, I mean, you're such an example of the importance of career planning. I mean, you're a billboard for, for what you're doing. So so that's that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Yes. Thank you wait. so much for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. And I can't wait to share this with the rest of the world so that we can all drool over Thai food and and plan our our trip to Thailand. (laughs) Yes. And if you're here, definitely reach out. If I'm around, we can definitely meet up for coffee or anything else. Oh, that would be awesome for a Thai massage. (laughs) Yes. Even more amazing. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend and go on your favorite podcast app to give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us to get the word out there. Also, I am really excited to announce I've started a online Facebook community for physicians. Go and search for Dare to Dream Physician Travel. That's the name of the Facebook group. If you have trouble finding us, the link is also in the show notes. I hope to see you on the inside. 